And welcome to Play on K, this Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this week we're starting a new drama. Yes, I'm so excited. We're starting Goblin this week. Yeah, finally. It's it's been real, real good too. Oh I'm my stoked. gosh! I think I'm more captivated by the first couple of episodes of this K drama than the first couple of episodes of any K drama have captivated me. It's kind of that thing. That we were talking about with the bonus episode of Oh My Venus, where we uh, where we just briefly discussed how many K dramas we start and then like don't get deeper into. Yeah, but, the the beginning is the best part of any K drama. Right, but this one like I cannot stop watching it. It's so good. <laughs> It's so, so good. And for clarity's sake, we decided to only watch the first two episodes. We're going to do probably two at a time. Hopefully you guys saw that on our Twitter, um, that we are going to be doing two episodes of Goblin at a time, because I did not realize that every episode was an hour and a half long. So long. Yeah, they're Which little movies. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm excited, but it's a lot for the podcast. Right. And so, yeah, we, we decided that... I guess the cleanest way to do that where we could get all of our good ranting in would be two episodes at a time. So hopefully that's okay with you guys. It's kind of cool, like, I don't know about anyone else, but when I find a podcast, I like to binge listen to it like nothing else. So hopefully it's fine that you can watch two episodes and then listen to us and then watch two episodes and then listen to us and you get maybe a little more content from us than usual yeah hopefully that's enjoyable rather than waiting for the podcast to come out right. and how miserable is that um yeah so hopefully it's not like that and yeah we probably won't always do it like that if that is encouraging to you guys at all eventually we'll move on to a new k-drama so yeah we'll be back to the old format of four at a time but two episodes being three hours long that's both awesome and a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, jumping into it, I guess. Can we talk about how good the opening scenes of it are? They're so beautiful. Holy cow. I, like, I feel, and I don't know anything about cinematography, so, like, stop me now, probably. But that said, like, I think the cinematography is really, really good in this show. I think it's interesting yeah. what they do with, like, the camera and everything's so beautiful and damn. I was gonna say, I going into this show, I thought it was gonna be an older show. I have no idea when it was made. It looks like it was made in the future. For real. It's reals. so well done. Holy cow. Like, I have never at any point watched a K-drama and been like, this is really lacking in, in film quality. But now I feel like my eyes have been opened to what they can be. And I'm a little bit like, I know guys step up. Yeah. Everybody else has to up their game. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just crazy. So the show starts with a narration of, you know, what the goblin myth is, which seems to be kind of, maybe a common myth in in at least this show, maybe not Korea as a whole. But there's a later scene where the 
female lead is at the library reading books on goblins, and there's a lot of books. Holy cow. So I think it's supposed to be a pretty popular story. Yeah, it just kind of, it almost seemed to be like a common knowledge type myth, and they just give you a brief description. Like, definitely I feel like I know enough to be in to the lore of the show, which is really cool. It's really cool being in a show that has lore behind it. Yeah. But they definitely seem to have taken the lore and kind of twisted it to be K-drama style, which I really like. I'm so excited about. It's such a cool concept to be dealing with. It's way exciting to kind of be in this more fantasy world this time around. Yeah. I... I'm not typically a huge fan, I think we've talked about it before, of, like, the historical dramas. Mm-hmm. But that said, I have so far been into, like, in this first episode, there were a lot of historical flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And I loved them. They were so good. They're so good. And I think the biggest thing with that is just that, I mean, the flashbacks aren't particularly romantic in the, like, very K-drama-ish sense of it. Um, and so I don't mind them so much. I think I, I, I'm not a fan of romance set in history, but that said, I mean, in the future, I'm sure we'll watch a historical K-drama and I'll be like, uh, eating my words and loving this. Yeah. <laughs> this is our new favorite. Cause we're going to say this is our new favorite. Every K-drama we watch. Every K-drama will be our new favorite. <laughs> But yeah, the 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 historical scenes in this in this K drama are so so good, and the main character um, Kim Shin Kim Shin's hair oh, in history a thing of beauty oh, a thing of beauty in itself. <laughs> that wig I though, no, holy cow! I it seems like like when I'm viewing him with long hair, I'm like, oh he. He'd look pretty weird with short hair, and when I'm viewing him with short hair, I'm like, oh, he'd look pretty weird with long hair. Right? But somehow he looks dang good all the time. All the time! 100% of the time! It was funny, when I was watching um, one of the scenes that was kind of in the past, uh, my roommate walked in and was just like, oh, a K-drama? And I was like, yeah, and then I just briefly was like, it's about an immortal guy, and he was like, let me guess, the pretty one is immortal, <laughs> he has to be. Ugly people can't be immortal. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> Only beautiful people can be immortal. <laughs> it would be so cruel to make ugly people live many lifetimes. Oh, no one's but that cruel. No god is that cruel. No god is that cruel. But make the pretty one survive forever. That's fine. <laughs> um. So... The scene that I was really confused about, it was right near the beginning, and I don't know if it ever came up again, but it says, the screen flashes Paris 1968? Yeah. And he's, like, giving advice to a kid. Who's abused. He's like, yeah. I think the thing behind that is that he grants wishes, or, like, like when he hears people suffering, he grants wishes. But it was kind of weird, because it was just the only scene... And there wasn't a whole lot of context that I can remember provided anytime near that. Later, they're like, oh, yes, he is trying to grant wishes and trying to help people because he is a soft-hearted god. 
I'm so glad you caught on to that because I needed that explanation. <laughs> I honestly, I was like, it looks like a past self scene, like where he knows so much about this person oh, that you're yeah. like, oh, don't fail the math quiz. You got number three wrong. But you're like, he wasn't a kid. He was never a I kid. Yeah. He was not a kid in 1968. I don't understand. Yeah, that I it was formatted pretty weird. So it makes mm. sense that, like, it's just super, super tricky. Because I even, for a second, I was like, so is this, like, a past self? Can he see into the future? Is that part of his powers? And during at least the first episode, they do a lot of time jumps where you can't really tell what year it is. Yeah, like, they tell you, sort of, but also... Because mm -hmm. I was really confused when... We were all of a sudden in the 90s for kind of a long period of time. I was like, so is it set in the 90s? Until right. I got there and I was like, oh no, it's not set in the 90s. I thought the girl's mom would be the main character. And a big thing that confused me as well with the keeping track of time is that there's this old lady in the 90s who's helping Untak's mom. And, like, kind of takes care of her. And then in the future, when Untak is 19, the old lady is now a young lady. Yeah. Like, she plays with time, too, and I don't know what she is. Right, but you're like, how am I supposed to keep track of time if old people are getting younger? And this guy's infinite. He never ages. Yeah, like, who's the time marker here? Because, uh, yeah, it's just tricky. They're playing with time a lot in this show. Mm-hmm. But we <laughs> we got through it. We persevered. We persevered. I think I understand. <laughs> I think I understand the timeline of things. We're all on the same page now. I think it's set sometime in the early 2000s. It must be, because in the 90s is when her mom got hit by the car. So, mm -hmm. so we're in the early 2000s, everyone. We've made it. For the regular portion of your viewing experience. <laughs> Um, oh, one last thing before we, uh, I know I just announced we're in the early 2000s, but, um, can I just do one quick fashion plug here and talk yes. about the dress of the, I, I guess the queen, whoever she was, that was killed in the very first scene where he's confronting, like, the, the creepy child the king. king. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. Yes, you can. Because her dress, I like I said, I don't watch many historical dramas, but her dress is changing my mind. I feel like that's what happens. It's just their outfits that pull you in. Yeah, because they're so detailed and beautiful and oh, everything about her. I was like, oh, yes, she is a princess. Yes, she is. So beautiful. Oh, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And so there's our first fashion plug of the show. A very, very <laughs> historical piece of fashion. I don't even know if it was historically accurate, but it was lovely. Honestly, a good percentage of my notes are about fashion, and I think it's because Kim Shin dresses so well. Ooh, he is all a the time. fine dresser. So if we constantly talk about Kim Shin, like, Untak, our female lead, does not yet have much in the say of fashion because she's a high school student. She wears a which, uniform and a hoodie. Yeah, we'll talk about how creepy that is later. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah, she just wears her school uniform and various hoodies and sometimes casual clothes. But Kimshin and the Grim Reaper and Kimshin's new assistant, Dequa, the grandson, are on point. They look so good. So good. All the time. All the time. That's what money does, guys. Let's you dress so, so well. Right. If I had money, I wouldn't dress... No, I, I might still dress in jeans and a hoodie every day. I have a problem. <laughs> but maybe, like, you'd buy one nice outfit and then think it was too nice to wear. Yeah, and then at least I'd have that one nice outfit that I pulled out every once mm-hmm. in a while and was like, I don't always dress like a sad, poor college student. <laughs> Look at me. Variety. That's what money gets you. Variety and quality. Um, pretty early in the show, one of my favorite scenes is the introduction to the Grim Reaper character. Oh my god, that's so good. I that intro scene, um, when he gets hit by a car, I was amazed at how how well that all plays out as far as like Yeah. It introduces a character, but also it introduces a really interesting concept that they play with a lot and it's the concept of like heaven and hell and right he explains to her to this girl who is not a character in the whole show she's just not really a character other than she helps introduce the grim reaper but she has the choice to drink and forget and it's like a mercy and that's heaven or she can remember all of her sins for eternity and suffer and that's hell Oh, it's so, so good. That is so good. That's such a good concept. That's one of my favorite things about the show so far is um, is the Grim Reaper and how he plays into all of it and how how death plays into the entire thing because you find out pretty quickly that Untak sees ghosts. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a big deal for her is like death and dying, and she has the power of seeing ghosts because she was saved by a goblin. This is all- I love the interconnectedness of the characters, but I also feel a little stressed by the interconnectedness of the characters. (laughs) There's so much to keep track of. Oh my god. Like, then they introduce the chicken lady. I don't know, I just call her chicken lady. I'm sure she has a name, and I'm sure she has said it, but- um, Untak's new boss at the chicken shop. Oh, yes. Who goes to see a fortune teller at some point, and the fortune teller says, like, be wary of a man in a black hat, but also, like, you're gonna get close to him. And you're like, oh my god, I know the man in the black hat. Yes! So, Untak's new boss is gonna, like, maybe date the Grim Reaper? I hope so. They'd it's- make a beautiful couple. They would make the most beautiful couple. But also, is it too much? Is it all too connected? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm Uh, into it so far, so I guess no. We'll see how stressed I get by the end of this particular K-drama. Like, we'll see how run down I am by all of this interconnected character business. That's why I love watching just, like, the first three or four episodes of new K-dramas, because they they have so much introduction and so much setup, and you can see where everything's gonna go, 
but the drama hasn't ruined anything yet. Right. It hasn't tainted your excitement you with just, stress. You want to know more, but also you feel really good about where things are right now. Everything fits into place. Yeah, and then you stop watching and just uh, make scenarios in your head of what the ending's going to be. <laughs> That's my perfect K-drama experience. <laughs> it's a good thing we're not writing K-dramas because we'd be terrible at it. We just talk about ones that exist and are a complete and beautiful work because we're very irresponsible. Mm. (laughs) So anyway, through all of these character introductions, um, you get this little insight early on into how the Goblin and the Grim Reaper are going to interact with each other. Like, their very first scene together is so good because the Grim Reaper sees the Goblin out a window and the Goblin sees Grim Reaper through the same window that he shouldn't be able to see through, but he can, because he's a goblin. Mm-hmm. And freaking Kim Shin gives the smuggest reaction, like, why does the Grim Reaper have the worst disguise? Like, he looks so dumb. I love it! <laughs> I... It's like, um, I don't know if it's cheap, because if you leased a house, you would never be like, sure, I'll live here with a month for the owner. Like, that just wouldn't happen. It's bizarre. But I'm so excited because they're so good together. They are so good together. I have been so excited by that interplaying relationship, especially because I think maybe the Grim Reaper is my favorite character in the show, which I know is crazy. But It's crazy in theory, but when you see the show... It's totally understandable. Yeah, he is a delight. And um, yeah, I just love their relation. Their like really antagonistic relationship. I'm hoping they become bros. I really am. I mean, by the end of episode two, like the cliffhanger for episode two, that was why it was so cool. Because you're like, are they bros now? Are they best friends? Uh, are they working together? Is this how it's going to end? Because this is perfect. Because the the more rational side of your brain tells you that maybe they're just going to fight over her and the Grim Reaper is going to try and kill Untak and the Goblin is going to try and protect Untak and it's just going to be another mess after they save her. But the, the excited part of your brain just wants it to be such a good bromance right. that you're like, they're there together. Look at them working, working together to take down these villains. They're like a superhero team. They're the superhero team we always wanted. Yes! So I'm so glad the show forced them together, even if it was very much forced. Right. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) I feel like we haven't talked enough about how much of a kid Untak is. I can't get over it. She's such a kid. Like, she's not even dislikable. She's just a kid. Yeah! I... I was so glad because a lot of times, a lot of K-dramas have the trope of a female lead being able to see ghosts, and they play it so many different ways. But a big one that I watched had the female lead be just really scared all the time and really timid because she saw ghosts, and it was so frustrating. And she was kind of like that at school. Like, you kind of thought maybe she was, Like like, beaten down by the way she saw ghosts. Right. But she isn't really. She just has decided to deal with it. Her as a little kid was adorable. With the little ghost puppy. Oh my gosh. 
so so cute. Yeah. Oh, her saying goodbye to her mom though. Apparently, oh. crying moms aren't my weakness. Same. Because I was tearing up hard. Totally. I cried a little bit and I called my mom. Oh! <laughs> because that's what K-dramas do to me. I have noticed a theme now. I watch a K-drama, I tear up a little bit, I call my mom. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they always make moms cry in K-dramas. Yes! They're like, just appreciate what you have with your beautiful mother. And I'm like, I do. I do. I love I my do. mom so much. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was- that scene was heartbreaking and so beautifully done because you don't see it coming. It's just a cute moment where she's saying hello to her mom, she walks mm -hmm. through the door, and then little spooky ghost child finds out that her mom is dead and that her mom isn't even in the room with her, technically. And they just- oh, those actors, they did so well. Here's your Oscar. Oh my god, right? Please tell me they got an award for that scene. That is... It was so heavy and so well done. I just... Oh. It's so good. But even still, like, it seems like she's not very popular at school and she's kind of ostracized. But people know that she sees ghosts and she's kind of okay with it. She's not, like, skulking around being a crazy person without anyone knowing why. Right. She just does what she does and tries to ignore the ghosts, mostly just because, like, like, it doesn't do anything for her to acknowledge them. Yeah. But then when she meets Goblin, they they meet a few times, but pretty quickly they go to Canada together. Yes. And she, like, blossoms into this lovable, adorable main character that you want to follow around and learn more about her because she's so bright sweet? yeah she's just a little bright sweet kid like i, ca I keep coming back to that because she is such a kid and it's mm -hmm. a little weird for me to imagine her as like the female lead in a k-drama like she's she's the romantic interest and i'm a little bit like no let her go to college let her live her life so there's a scene when they at the very very beginning of the show after the narration is done that that talks about the myth of a goblin where you find out it's the old lady that sells cabbage that's talking and she's talking to what looks like kind of an older Untak. I can't remember. I should have gone back and I'm watched sure it. I'm pretty sure it's Untak's mom. Is it? Yeah. Oh, dang it. See, I was worried about that once I started saying it because I was like, um, so maybe there's going to be like a five-year time jump and we're going to be like, okay, now this is normal. Oh, that would be Now Untak is an adult and she can be the bride. I really, I, we saw how I handled the time jump with Oh My Venus, but if they could <laughs> give me a couple of years to get on board with the goblin romancing a kid, if they could just let her become an adult first, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, she only needs, like, six months. We just need a small, small time jump. Yeah. And maybe maybe everyone that's listening to this has already seen Goblin, and they're like, don't worry, guys. Just stop asking for it. It's gonna happen. Or even if it doesn't happen, they're like, don't worry, guys. They, like, give some sort of resolution to this. I mm -hmm. don't see it being as popular as it is with them letting a 30-year-old romance a kid, though. But maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe there's some way that they will make me feel okay with that. 
It's just that thing where, like we said, 90% of Untak's outfits are her high school outfits. You can't forget how young she is. Yeah, and they she... put it in your face all the time. Yeah, and she handles everything very... This sounds like a really mean statement, but she handles a lot of aspects of her life a little immaturely, but not necessarily because she's, like, a petulant kid. She's just a kid. And so, like, she just wants a job and a boyfriend, and it's kind of like, okay. And she, like, has her own hopes and dreams, and I can see her blossoming into a lovely adult. Yeah, I'd just like to see that before she is romanced by a 30-year-old, well, like a 900-year-old, (laughs) 30-year-old. Exactly. And I don't know if or when it's going to happen. Because she is, like, that's one thing that I really like about her character, is that she makes the the whole Bride of the Goblin very funny. Yeah. Where she's like, oh, if you're a goblin, then I'm your bride. I love you. Let's get married. And he's like, no, that's weird. And she's like, no, for real, that is weird. Like, I'm I'm just kidding. Like, you need to learn how to take a joke, man. Yeah. Like, I'm adorable, but I'm also joking. Like, I'm just a kid. Yeah. So she plays it off really well as, like... It's it's like a little bit of fan service where she says everything you want her to say because she is suddenly the character that always comes about in like episode 15 of a K-drama where the girl finally says I love you and the girl's finally on board with being like in a relationship and she's like, oh, I'm already there. But it's it's weird because she's so young and you know she's joking and you can't get behind it. Right, yeah. So it's like I don't I don't know how to react to any of this. I'm on I'm with the goblin. I'm like, I don't know, this is weird, man. I can't even laugh cuz I don't know what to, <laughs> what to do. <laughs> oh, um can I just say that I've always thought Canada seemed like a beautiful place, but now I'm convinced it's the most beautiful place in the world. Apparently we need to move there. Yep. Canada it is here magical. we go. Oh my god, Quebec. Yeah. They spend some time in Quebec. Those maple leaves. Those beautiful maple leaves. They spend autumn time in Quebec, and it's like the most beautiful fairy tale kingdom I've ever... Like, when they first show up there, and everyone's a little confused about how they just showed up in Quebec, but you don't know it's Quebec and you're like, where is this? Is this like some fictional town in Germany? Is this like some (laughs) beautiful picturesque, picturesque European town? And then it's like, no, it's, it's your neighbor, Raquel. You could could go to Quebec. You could drive to Quebec. Yeah. You could go there within a day. Holy cow. Holy cow. So next vacation is to Quebec because it's, the most beautiful place. And, and I love her reaction to being there is she's like, um, this feels like a dream, so I'm gonna run with it. We're on our honeymoon now. I love you. Follow me around town. I'm going shopping. We are going to live our best life here in Quebec. <laughs> and then she goes back and she's like, cool, that was fun. I'm back to normal now. Goodbye. Like, thanks for the good times. Thanks for the memories. I and will I like see that's, you later. That's the best way they could have played out her being so childlike, is 
both the childlike wonder of a new city and traveling the world, and then the way that children can so easily forget. Like, just let it go. I'm not going to hold on to the memories of saying, this was our honeymoon. I'm not going to be a creep and hold on to you so tightly. Like, I'm so, just not going to worry about it. It's it's like that fleeting childhood dream. And yeah, she even says, it's like a dream. Thanks for this. Uh-huh. Bye. And then she leaves. Oh, it's so good. She's so normal. Um, And a big part of the show that we haven't talked about is the goblins' servants. Oh, yeah. And how awesome they've always been through his life until the most recent one, who is a <laughs> dum-dum. <laughs> Um, the most recent one is named Decois, and that sounds like the coolest American name I can think of, so right? hopefully it'll be easy to remember. Yeah, it does sound, it, it sounds very, um, simple for us for once, so. Hopefully we can remember Decois, and hopefully we're not saying it so, so wrong. Oh my gosh, we're just- just gonna cringe every time we say it. Like, oh, please don't even talk about him this episode. <laughs> but he is hilarious. I think the very first time you meet him, he's like six years old, and he is a sass master. Little, like, he was molded by sass, apparently. <laughs> he was born into it. Because it never goes away. Nope. He just continues to be the most absurdly spoiled weirdo, and it's so funny. And they play it out as funny instead of obnoxious, which I think is really nice with characters like him because there's generally characters like him in every show but sometimes they're seen as such a nuisance yeah there's always like the kind of selfish dum-dum who's selfish because they're just dumb Mm-hmm. and that's him and yeah definitely like i'd be interested to see how his character develops throughout the show because i can see myself eventually becoming irritated by him but so far he's in it fleetingly and he is the person who set up the Grim Reaper and the Goblin living together, and that makes my world, so... Yeah, I think that's part of why it was so believable as well, because it was set up by this very ignorant guy who kind of says he's just after the money, so you're like, oh, okay, that's why... Makes sense. This this weird scenario came about. Thank you. So I'm... I'm really into it, and um, I think his grandpa's still alive. I was just watching this. It seems like it's only a person and then their grandson and then their their grandson and their grandson, and I'm like, man, I'd be praying to be born as the son instead of the grandson and be like, oh, it skipped a generation. Like it skips a generation every time. We set it up so the grandpa just gets really old serving this guy, and then uh-huh. his son gets to be the rich loser who just goes out and has a kid. Uh-huh. Like, his only responsibility in life is to have a young boy and give the boy to his father. But- yeah, and it did talk about how this particular grandson was, like, the first um, boy in a couple of generations. So so that kind of played into it, but... um, I did not catch on to that at all. Yeah, so he is the first grandson, but that said, I don't know, because 
you only see grandpa and grandson. You never, I've never seen like a father son pass it down type situation. No, the first two were also a father and a, or a grandfather and a grandson. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe it still skips a generation. Maybe the son always dies, in which case I'd rather not be the son. Yeah. Or it's just always a daughter somehow in the middle, and lucky her. Thank God. If only, if only we could be the daughter of that family. Yeah, get to be rich, but not have to do all the servants' work for a lifetime. Okay, so like 90% of my notes are on outfits, apparently. So we can just talk about a few of the best outfits, I guess. Before we talk about any of the best outfits, can we talk about how she has a sweater that says NYPD on it? Like, <laughs> like the New York Police Department, and she wears it all the time? Yes, I really like it. I think it's funny. <laughs> it's just so strange. <laughs> I like sh- when she's in the library after she got mad at Goblin for lying and she's looking up goblin books. She's wearing a sweater that just says broken on it. It made me really sad. I noticed that too, and it was the saddest thing, because she is just laying there, like, tearing up in a restaurant, sleeping. Oh, I was thinking of the one where she's in the library. She probably wears it in a lot of scenes. Oh yeah, the first time I noticed it was when she was in the library. Oh my gosh. Girl, she's got like three sweaters. Yeah, and she just and they all those. say really bold things, so you can't forget them and pretend maybe she's wearing a different sweater. It's definitely that one. Um, so now we can talk about the best outfits. My favorite scene by far, as far as outfits, was when Kim Shin decides to test out whether, like, his teleportation is broken. I guess whether anyone can follow him through his portals, because um. Untak did so easily, so she he goes home and asks the Reaper to follow him, and he's wearing, like, a cashmere, I want to say sweatsuit, because it's all matching, all the but same if it's cashmere, color. I don't know if you can call it a sweatsuit. Right, and I couldn't tell if it was, like, slacks, or if it was, like, if it was all the same material. I couldn't. But it looked so soft. It looked so soft, and then he had, like, a... Like a shawl? Like a wool shawl over top of it. To like the floor. Yeah. That's absolutely stunning. So beautiful. And the Reaper is wearing like pinstripe sweatpants and this plain black sweatshirt, but it had a white kind of corset on the back. Like lace up through the back. So freaking cool. Yeah. The Reaper's outfits when when I first saw him his very first scene with his really long kind of leather trench coat is is kind of cool. Yeah. I think his hat is wicked cool. Right? I when, really like it. When the goblin makes fun of it and he's just like, you're gonna, is that your hat? You're gonna keep wearing <laughs> that? And I'm like, you shush, you shush, that's a beautiful hat. <laughs> that is, he looks so cool in it. Just let him put it on. And show how cool he looks in it. He looks like the modern Grim Reaper. Yeah, so cool. So the Grim Reaper always dresses well. And then in that scene, um, Duquois shows up 
and he's wearing just like a regular sweater and he's got a leather jacket over it and then like almost adidas style sweatpants with like yeah. a big stripe down the side and you're like i didn't know you could wear a leather jacket with sweatpants it's a that whole is new cool. world yep so guess what i'm gonna it try out amazing. this winter yeah oh oh they're so cool they're so cool i feel like i these days i get all of my casual wear tips from k-dramas simply because no one does glam cash like k-drama characters right (laughs) you would never think to wear a leather jacket with your sweats but they do it flawlessly it seems to be acceptable because they look good i could go i could look good right Uh uh-huh i've got to do it do it take a picture and put it on our twitter (laughs) and be like channeling duquois right now look at me go but i feel like I feel like we can't do a fashion report without talking about the lady in red. Oh my god, yeah. She starts off as an old lady, and you can tell she's wearing a mask, so you can't tell what is the point. Until you find out that she's actually the most beautiful person. Yeah! She's got the most interesting features I've ever seen. She is. She's just, like, the most uniquely flawless person. Yes, and they kind of really show that and play her out really well by showing her in these bright red outfits all the time that are stunning. And then she always has her matching lipstick, and like it totally completes that lady in red look. Like yeah. She just looks awesome. You don't know why it's happening, but you love it. So much. it's so intense. And then... So- I don't know who she's gonna be, but she looks good. Yeah. She always looks so good. And then the other person who looks good, just by virtue of being incredibly beautiful, is the chicken lady, the boss. Oh, yes! And she wears the most interesting outfits. Like, at one point she's wearing what I think is a velvet button-up shirt. I think. Is that when she's wearing, like, the high-waisted jeans and she has it half-tucked in? yes. Oh my gosh, I was thinking of the same outfit. Because she she has like two or three other outfits that are really on point. But that one was by far my favorite. Yeah. Oh my god. And like, she's one of those people that could wear a trash bag. And I think I'd still be like, did you see that? That was beautiful. She wore that trash bag so well. (laughs) But that said, I love her Her character is so interesting because people treat her really interestingly when they see that she's beautiful. Like, they immediately are like, I didn't expect you to be a person because you're so beautiful. Like, I didn't expect you to be the owner of a restaurant because you're so beautiful. Whereas your boss, you're so beautiful. Uh Uh-huh. And then um, Untak's aunt kind of tries to threaten her because she thinks maybe she's stronger i don't know or something because she thinks like oh you're a beautiful person you must be like maybe ditzy i don't know what she was thinking but you just see such changes when people see her versus when they find out who she is and what she does and it's so interesting to me yeah it is it's it's something where i i couldn't tell off the bat whether or not i liked her i was really on the fence with her Aside from the fact that I think she's flawlessly gorgeous. 
I was kind of mm-hmm. like, am I going to like this character? Like, she's a little off-putting. Like, she's fun, but a little weird. And yeah, I didn't think I'd like her. But as time has gone on, like, how she handles the aunt and how she's just kind of like, I don't know, this woman seems to think I'm as nice as I am beautiful, which is crazy. Uh, <laughs> and from <laughs> that moment, I was like, that's so awesome. You're so cool. <sighs> um, But... I feel like the only people we've skipped is Untak's family, like her aunt and cousins that she lives with. Psychotically skippable. Like, I hate them. I know that it's an important thing to bring up because it's sad, but it's also very much like character developing for Untak to have had to live with them. Right. I mean, a big part of her relationship with the goblin is he keeps saying like say goodbye to your family you won't see them again very soon which is kind of really dark but also you're like yeah hopefully they'll be out of the show sometime soon before we know it (laughs) please so i feel like they're fairly easy to ignore and skip over but anyways uh it propels us to the end of episode two where you find out her aunt is oh, so, so desperately like beating her cute little niece to find a bank book that her mom left her. And you find out her mom put a, a bunch of money away, and then the aunt went ahead and got in crippling debt, I'm assuming like gambling debts or something? It has not yeah, said. Yeah, I don't know. But with bad people... And and they come to collect. They come to collect and they find Untak. And that was stressful. That was super stressful because she doesn't know how to summon... Like, she knows how to summon Goblin with fire. But there's one point where he's, like, stalking her because he's a male lead. And that's, that's not creepy if you're the lead of yep. a K-drama. It's that thing where if you're beautiful enough... It's not stalking. You can do whatever you want. want. Or, like, if, depending on the level of interest, some people are not creepy and some people are. Yeah, for some reason. So he convinces her that he was just there because she was thinking about him so hard, which kind of seems like it might come back to bite him in this scenario. Where she's just trying so hard to figure out some way to get him there. Yeah, And it's not working out. She does manage to find a lighter uh, and blow it out, which is, I mean, thank God for that. I don't think she did. I think that she wasn't able to. And then when she, like, crouched into the fetal position, like, her birthmark flashed. Oh, that's what And that sent out, like, an SOS. You're right. Which is, like... A new development in how to call the goblin, like, and kind of be? propels the the myth that maybe she's the goblin's bride because she's got this birthmark. Yeah, something that I thought was kind of interesting that led up to this was that they were they were in a fight, um, and so mm-hmm. she's not really expecting him to just show up. Based on that fact, like they kind of pushed each other away, but. At one point, he says something in the fight that I loved that it was brought up because it's something that I think totally matters. And it was, she was mad at him. And so she was like, I mean, what is it? Do you think I'm ugly? Is that why you don't want me to be your bride? (laughs) 
And he says, you're pretty, but I'm not looking for something pretty, or for someone pretty. And it it has all, like, everything to do with what they can see in me. And I love that, because even though he means literally, like, he wants her to be able to see a sword in his chest. <laughs> I love- That's, like, applicable to every relationship. Right. Like, it's so cool that they confronted that, because I also think she kind of needed that, because, um- I think that in that moment she was showing her young age in that like all that matters is whether I'm not whether or not I'm pretty to you or like yeah. like what is it and he was like it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. He dismisses it so easily just being like no that's such an immature thing to say. I am like 900 years old or whatever. I'm not looking for a pretty face. And you're like oh because you're right, even yeah. it it hits hard because you're like, even if he wasn't 900 years old, like, that should be true for any relationship. Right. It shouldn't have to do with whether or not, that, like, obviously, attraction is important, but when you're talking about serious matters, it's kind of like, no, it has nothing to do with how pretty you are, I'm sorry. K-drama's getting so deep. Ugh. K-drama's getting heavy. Um, so yeah, I... I feel like that's pretty much it. At yeah. the at the end of episode two, um, both the goblin and the reaper show up to hopefully save Untak. Hopefully form a superhero team that <laughs> I will look forward to watching in future episodes. Yes, it's so cool. It's very, I don't know, borderline cheesy. They are walking a thin line because they... They hit all the lights on the street so that they turn off and the car stops. The car with Untak in it stops. And the goblin and the reaper start walking up. And they're walking into the headlights of the car, which are the only lights that you can see are on. But somehow they're still backlit, so you can't see them very well. And they look so cool. (laughs) But it's very confusing. The light sources are all around. Like, how are we doing this? All of a sudden, that beautiful cinematography we're talking about becomes a curse instead of a blessing because it's just like, I don't get it. It's too artful. I don't get it. <laughs> it's too much when I'm trying to be realistic here. <laughs> I guess that's on me, though, for trying to be realistic when watching Goblin. Yeah, K-dramas make it tricky to, <laughs> to keep your feet planted on the ground. <sighs> oh, But I... I'm so excited to hear listener comments. I think this is a beloved K-drama by pretty much all K-drama fans. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear. For one thing, if anybody doesn't like it, I'm curious to know why. Right? I but, At this point, I'm like, I don't know, I love it. No spoilers, though, because... Because uh, we, we hate that. Because we hate that. If you guys have, like, questions, comments, or concerns that are spoilery, you should definitely email us. Uh, I don't (laughs) want it spoiled for me, but I'd be even more sad if it was forcibly spoiled for our other listeners. Yeah, we'll take that hit. And just put in the subject line, spoilers ahead, and we'll read it at the end of Watching Goblin. Right, and then we can kind of talk about how you felt at the time in our future bonus episode of Goblin, which we're hoping to post at the end of Goblin. Yeah, so so we'll hit you up then if you 
send us an email with the with the subject line spoilers. Yeah. We'll put you in that bonus episode. But yeah, we want to hear from you. Email us at um, playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, or we have our Twitter. Our handle is at playonk. Our website is the same, playonk.com. And, and iTunes. iTunes. Go subscribe to us. Get us some subscribers. Um, that will really, really help us out. And then um, if you wanted to comment there as well. Yeah, get in, get in touch with us. Let us know, cause we'd we'd like to know if and why people don't like Goblin. But we're way more excited about joining the fan club that already exists, and we want to know who's out there and who's already in the fan club. Yeah, I've never heard a bad thing about Goblin. So if we didn't get any not fans, I wouldn't be super surprised. Yeah. Um, but let us join your your little fangirl fan club, and we can all gush over how cool Goblin is together. Yes, and then you will definitely be included in our bonus episode. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, get in touch with us. Oh, and because we can never we can never forget our uh, our people. James Hevel made our theme song, and we love Woo-hoo! him so much for it. Thank you so much, James. Oh, so good. So talented. And yeah, I think that's it for this week. Yeah. We will probably only watch two again, because I assume they're all 90 minutes at this point. Yeah, and if ever we change our minds on how many we're going to watch before we post an episode of the podcast, we will definitely let you know through Twitter, or if you subscribe to our emails, we can let you know through there as well. Yeah, we'll have a little newsletter going. But for now, we will plan on watching episodes three and four of Goblin, and we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.